Welcome to Retirement Plans A to Z. I'm Sue Burnett with Monarch Financial Advisors, and this series focuses on qualified retirement plans. There are a lot of moving pieces with these plans, and the rules are complicated and complex, so we're going to break them down into smaller pieces, 26 pieces to be exact, from A to Z, with maybe a few extras thrown in just for good measure. episode L for life insurance. How does life insurance have anything to do with pension plans? One pays a benefit when you pass away, the other pays a benefit when you retire, hopefully for a long time. Well, they do come together, believe it or not. Is it legal? Can you use the whole thing for insurance? How does it all work? Let's talk it through. First, how does life insurance really have anything to do with a qualified plan? Usually you hear about insurance being paid on an individual basis. You call someone up, go through a physical, give them a check every year, and poof, you have insurance. It's pretty simple. For a qualified plan, there's a business owner that makes contributions into a pension trust. The money needs to be solely for the benefit of the participants, and when they quit or retire, the participants get their benefit. Two different things, right? Well, not necessarily. When the business owner contributes money for the retirement benefits, that money needs to be invested in something. One option is to invest a part of that contribution in life insurance. And note that I said a part. There are limits to the amounts that can be used for insurance because it needs to be incidental to the overall benefit. That means that, no, you can't use the whole contribution for life insurance. In a SEP or a simple, you actually can't use any. These are IRAs and there's no life insurance allowed. In a prof sharing or 401k, you can use up to 50% depending on the kind of insurance. And in the bigger plans, the defined benefit plans, Generally, you can use up to 40 or 45% without tripping limits, but you have to be really careful with these. You don't want to trip the limits and disqualify the plan. That would be bad. But if you had the chance to pay insurance pre-tax, why not? Here's a fun fact for you. The first life insurance company in the United States was the Friendly Society in 1735, established in Charleston, South Carolina. So let's talk about why you would put life insurance in a plan. Well, the first is the ability to pay premiums pre-tax. Do you want to pay wholesale or retail for your insurance? Generally, you want to pay wholesale. So if you can deduct those life insurance premiums for you and your partners and your key employees, that's a good idea. Life insurance can be critical to business planning. This is discussed more in another episode. But the ability to pay these premiums pre-tax and have it be a business deduction saves tax dollars that can go right back into your business. Let's continue down this taxation path. Not only are the premiums paid pre-tax, but the death benefit paid to your beneficiary in excess of the cash value is also paid tax-free. So what does this mean? Well, some types of insurance have a cash value, which is a value that's built up inside the policy. It gets bigger year to year and is counted as the market value of the policy when we're figuring out what the insurance is worth. Let's say there's an insurance policy in the plan with $25,000 a year in annual premiums and a $500,000 death benefit. After year one, the cash value may be $15,000. After five years, maybe it's $100,000 to $125,000. What if you passed away in year five, after five years of pre-tax premiums? The cash value, the value of the policy, 
stays in the plan as a qualified plan asset, and that's added to the other investments to pay your plan benefit. So let's say that cash value was $100,000. The $400,000 above that, because there's a $500,000 death benefit, would pass through the plan and be paid to your beneficiary with no taxes on that. It's one of the few times where something is paid for pre-tax and returned without tax implications. So the bad news is that you passed away in order for all this to happen. Another reason to put life insurance in a plan is it provides that pre-retirement death benefit from day one. If you're a business owner and you put the plan in place to make up a shortfall at retirement, what happens if you pass away in the next year or two? Your spouse and your beneficiaries only have one year of contributions, so they're still way short. This way, if there's life insurance in a plan and you pass away before you retire, your spouse and your beneficiaries get the death benefit, which will make up that shortfall. And if you don't pass away, you'll end up having the retirement benefit at retirement. Either way, you and your family are set. Life insurance policies are critical to estate and legacy planning as well. The SECURE Act legislation passed in December 2019 impacted IRAs to beneficiaries other than your spouse. One way to preserve your legacy and to minimize the taxes paid to you and your beneficiaries is to have a qualified plan and pay for insurance premiums with pre-tax dollars from a rollover. This is covered more in another episode, but it is a great way to pair up life insurance and a qualified plan to maximize what you leave to your heirs. So speaking of maximizing, here's another fun fact. The largest life insurance policy ever confirmed to be issued was for $201 million in 2014 to a Silicon Valley billionaire. There are rumors that there are a few other policies out there around the 300 million mark, but we can't confirm that for now. So let's get back to our reasons to put life insurance in a pension plan. Another reason is the protection from creditors for any investments that are in a pension trust. If you have a life insurance policy in the plan, and there's at least one rank and file employee, not your spouse, any assets in the plan are protected from bankruptcy. That means that if one of the investments happens to be a life insurance policy, that's protected too, and then creditors can't get at it, period. Any additional benefits are going to help you attract top talent because it'll help your business stand apart from the rest. Only a third of small businesses offer any kind of qualified plan. So if you also offered life insurance in the plan, it's an additional feature that may be the tipping point for a key employee coming to work for you or for going to work with someone else. Plus, since it's in a qualified plan, there'll be vesting provisions, which means the employee has to stay with your business for at least a few years in order to be eligible to take the benefit. We do talk about vesting and eligibility provisions in another episode. For employees, the life insurance is great because the policy could be theirs when they leave, if they want it, and if they're vested. They can change the ownership from the plan to themselves and take the life insurance as a distribution. Then they would retain all the rights and privileges of a policyholder. There are some tax implications with that distribution, which are discussed in our distribution episode, but if they're looking to have a policy for themselves, they can. They'd also be responsible for paying the premiums going forward if there are any more to be paid, but there are ways that the policy can be changed so that there aren't any more premiums. The death benefit may go down, but it is possible. 
The last piece worth mentioning is that some carriers will offer guaranteed issue insurance if there's a minimum number of people in the plan. What does this mean? What if you're an owner and you have 30 employees and you are not insurable? If you sponsor a qualified plan and all of the employees are in the plan and you include life insurance, you could get up to $200,000 of death benefit at standard rates because of this guaranteed issue program. If you had 55 employees, that amount goes up to 300,000. So the more employees you have, the higher the guaranteed death benefit would be. You see this a lot when owners have insurability challenges or family members do. You would need to do physicals and medicals for any amounts over the guaranteed limit, but I've seen plans put in place because the owner needed insurance and this got him a standard rated plan. There are some naysayers that don't like life insurance in a plan at all. It's a bad investment. Some insurance has fixed premiums, so it reduces flexibility. It adds an administrative burden because everyone in the plan needs to go through physicals. Well, I agree somewhat with two of the three. For some insurance, fixed premiums would reduce flexibility. However, if you have a defined benefit plan, which is one of the bigger plans where contributions are required every year anyways, this doesn't matter. And yes, it may be like herding cats to do medicals for all the employees, but some insurance carriers offer simplified issue insurance. So unless there's a red flag on the questions that you've answered, you don't need to get a medical. As far as it being a bad investment, I just disagree with this. If you need insurance, it is a great investment. It's conservative, the premiums are deductible, you have market risk protection, there's guaranteed benefits for you and your family regardless, and it helps you attract and retain top talent. So for our final fun fact, we're gonna end with a question. Would a transformer buy life insurance or car insurance? Wrapping it all up, there are lots of great reasons to use life insurance as an investment in a qualified plan, from tax savings to business planning to attracting and retaining employees. You might not be able to get all of the insurance that you want or need in the plan, but even a part of it would help with all of these reasons. Are you not insurable? Or is a family member or a key employee not insurable? A plan may be the only place that you can get insurance with standard ratings. It's a lot to consider, but if you need life insurance for anything, it is certainly worth checking out whether a qualified plan is the place to put it. Wanna learn more? Tune into the other A to Z podcasts where we continue to break down these wonderful and complex plans into bite-sized pieces. Remember, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Have any questions? Shoot me an email at monarchfinancialadvisors at gmail.com. Thanks for listening in and have a great rest of your day.